The Sermon on the Mount is a sermon that, that Jesus gave. Well, it's one iteration of a sermon that Jesus gave lots of times. Uh, he did it uh, in Luke. That it, that we don't call it the Sermon on the Mount. In the book of Luke, it's called the Sermon on the Plain. And the reason is, is because Jesus had a spiel. And he would go from town to town around Galilee and, and Judea, and he would kind of give his spiel. And so the Sermon on the Mount was one such time where he sat down and, and gave that spiel. So last week, uh, Jeremy... Uh, walked us through the, the Beatitudes, and, and so we're, we're still pretty early in the sermon. So if you're, you're just showing up, no big deal. You haven't missed uh, a ton. And Jeremy's also helped set up for us this, I think, helpful, helpful theme or, or, or paradigm to, to think about the Sermon on the Mount, that, that one of the major themes of Jesus' sermon here is, is flourishing, that, that the Sermon on the Mount is, is the way to, to flourish or experience abundant life with Jesus. Uh, and so central to experiencing flourishing, I think, are, are questions of meaning and purpose. Uh, questions like, why do I exist? Uh, what am I here for? Who am I here for? Uh, what am I to do with, with my time? That, that satisfactory answers to these questions are, are central to us experiencing a, a fulfilled, flourishing life. Uh, and so we are going to, Jesus addresses that uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and we are going to look at it. So I'll pray, and then we'll, we'll look at the scripture together. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this morning and, and this time together. Uh, thank you for... Uh, the freedom to, to gather together like this and, and the men and women who've sacrificed their lives uh, so that we can, can be here on a Memorial Day weekend. Uh, God, pray that uh, as I speak, Holy Spirit, you would be here, uh, that you would speak through me to the hearts of, of everyone gathered here, and that we would come away knowing you better and loving you more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, right, so last week, Jeremy started with the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes are this group of, I don't know why we call them that, to be real honest with you, uh, but they're these groups of sayings uh, that, that, that Jesus, Jesus gave, and, and the gist of all of them is, hey, it's actually pretty great to not be all that great. Uh, and it's, so for a, a, a people who were oppressed and mourning and poor and sad. It's a message of hope, and it's an assurance that God does not love them or value them based, based on the, the same ways that the world loves and values them. So, so it's this message of hope, and then right on the heels of that, Jesus uh, gives two parables, and I'll, I'll read them to you here real quick. They go like this. You are the salt, this, sorry, this is out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it should be up here, yeah. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Is there anything in life as unsatisfying and heartbreaking as an unsalted french fry? 
I sat and, I sat and thought about salt for a long time while I was, while I was preparing. Uh, and one of the conclusions I came to is I'm very grateful for salt. I think salt is in like, there, so there are a lot of uses for salt, like uh, food preservation, melting the ice in your driveway, uh, you have physiological needs for salt. But I mean, everybody's favorite use for salt is making food taste delicious, or at least it's my favorite use for salt. Salt is central to all of my favorite foods. Uh, <laughs> steak, bacon, cheese, french fries, even chocolate is better with salt in it. Uh, I, I sat and thought, thought about it for about 10 minutes. I don't think that I've, I like to cook. I've been cooking pretty regularly for a long time. I don't think I've ever cooked a single meal without salt. It, it is, without a doubt, the most important ingredient in my kitchen, even more than water, I think, which is sort of crazy to think about. So I, when I cook, I keep, well, not, not even when I cook, just all the time, there's this, I think it drives my wife crazy, but there's this little ramekin of, of salt that I keep on the, the kitchen counter all the time, and so I can just grab it and, and toss it in whatever I'm cooking. And that little ramekin full of salt is very useful to me because it helps make the food that I'm cooking very delicious. If that little ramekin of salt were to lose its saltiness, it would be about as useful as a little white jar of sand sitting on my kitchen countertop. And I have no use for a little white jar of sand, and so I would take that salt and toss it out. Uh, because the purpose of salt is to make things delicious. And if it doesn't do that, it has no use for me. The other uh, couple nights ago, both of my daughters started crying in the middle of the night, about an hour apart. Uh, and so I got, you know, pitch black. I get out of bed. I start start walking, and I I, 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 I part of me wants to lie and tell you I ran into it. The fact is, is that it's been there so long, I, I knew to go around it. But there's this this stack of my my wife is mad at me right now. That's okay. There's this stack of, of uh, tubs full of baby clothes that are too small for our kids now in the middle of the room. And so I, I, in the dark, know to navigate around that. It took me a long time to remember uh, to navigate around that in the dark because, you know, it's not normally there and I couldn't see it. And so while I didn't do it a couple nights ago, there have been quite a few nights I've run into that thing and maybe said words I shouldn't have in the middle of the night and woken my wife up too as I made my way to my kids. And the reason that I ran into those, those tubs so often is because there was no light. And the light, it turns out, is really, really helpful for navigating around my house really any time of day, but, but especially the night. Uh, the purpose of light, or one of the major purposes of light, is to show us what's around us, to show us what things look like so that we can see them. Uh, it's, light is just so fundamental to our experience, it's even kind of difficult to, to describe what the purpose of light is. All that to say, if, if I were waking up in the middle of the night to go get my kid, to go help one of my kids, I would not turn on the lamp and then immediately cover it with a blanket. That would be ridiculous. And I think that that's part of what makes this parable for me a little bit difficult to understand, that 
what, what Jesus is suggesting here is like you, you don't light a lamp and then, and then put a basket over it to cover the light because that defeats the purpose of it. It's ridiculous. The, there's a, it just wouldn't make any sense. The salt that's not salty, that doesn't make any sense. Light that doesn't shine, that doesn't make any sense. The purpose of salt is to be delicious. The purpose of light is to shine. If those, if those two things don't do what they're supposed to do, it just doesn't make any sense at all. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You have a purpose, just like the salt and the light. So we live in, in maybe the most individual, probably not, not, I can just drop the maybe. We live in the most individualistic society in the history of the world. Um, and there, there are some good things about that and some, some negative things about that. I'm not, I'm not really trying to make a comment on our society or culture. I just want us to, to understand that we're different. We think differently than most people living in the world now and throughout the history of the world do. Uh, and so there, there are two ways that our individualism, I think, affects the way that we think about purpose. The first is that we tend to think about purpose individually. Uh, that is, when, when I think about purpose or my purpose, I think about my vocation, my relationships, my actions, my choices, and, and the effect that those things have on, on me, my life, and, and the world around me. And I think about what my purpose is as an individual. Neither good or bad. That's just how we tend to think. The second thing uh, that I think that our individualism has, has, the second way our individualism, I think, has maybe changed the way we think about purpose is that we think about purpose more as like a decision or choice. And we even celebrate this idea in in our culture, this idea that like I get to choose what my purpose is. And that's even part of what it means to be like human or or a free human. That's like a fundamental part of freedom that I get to decide what my life is for. I get to decide what what I'm going to do uh, and how I'm going to do it. Most other societies and Jesus's society especially were much more communal. And so so the way that, that these these two thought processes differ from Jesus's thought process is that they didn't think so much about purpose as what should my job be, what choices should I make, and that defines my purpose. They thought about purpose more as their role in in their community and their purpose as 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 a people as a whole. And they were also much less likely to think about uh, purpose as uh, something that they chose and, and much more about something that was assigned to them by an authority. So, so these two things make things different. And, and so I did college ministry for, for quite a while, and, and one of the things I noticed was that college students love to talk about purpose, and they love to talk about their own individual purpose, like what, because they're, they're looking forward into life and, and what life is supposed to be like, and they want to talk about, like, what's life going to be like for me? What should my purpose be going forward? And so this individual thought process offers a whole lot of freedom and excitement, but at the same time causes a lot of stress and anxiety 
but the the purpose that Jesus is talking about here when he's looking out at these people and saying, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, is not, he's not talking to them so much as individuals as he is as a group. He's, he's addressing them as the people of Israel, or, or maybe another way to think about it, he's, he's addressing the people that are following him around, the literal Christ followers of the time. And he's saying to them as a group, you are the light of the world, you are are the salt of the earth. And so Jesus, as the head of the church, speaking to his body, is not like submitting a suggestion on something that they could think about as they consider their purpose. He's telling them, as their maker and creator, this is your purpose. This is who you are. This is what you are to do. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You... Now, if you are in Christ, are the salt of the earth. If you are a part of the body of Christ, you are the light of the world. And so what is your purpose? Well, Jesus actually spells it out pretty, pretty clearly in verse 16, which, which we read. He says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So what's your purpose? Your purpose is to bring glory to God. And then how are you to do that? By doing good works so that others may see and then give glory to to your Father who is in heaven. Okay. So this, so far, has been a pretty long and winding road to a pretty mundane conclusion. Uh, What what am I supposed to do? Good stuff. Shocking news, right? Uh, Thanks, B-team preacher. I'm really glad I got out of bed on Memorial Day weekend to come hear you say, hey, you should do good stuff. Um, (laughs) So I have two two thoughts to follow this up. The the first is that the the bar is probably not, it's higher than that sounds. And we'll we'll talk about that. And the the second is that what it means to glorify God or the way that we glorify God is probably a little bit more robust than is naturally intuitive to us. So this verse 16, hey, do good works so other people can see them and give glory to God, like that doesn't feel at face value like a very disruptive charge. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is it, well, it's not very specific, right? Hey, go and do good stuff. It doesn't say how much good stuff. It doesn't say how good the stuff has to be. It doesn't say how often you have to do the good stuff. It's just, you know, do it sometimes. And so that feels pretty accomplishable, or maybe even already accomplished. Like, yeah, I do good stuff. Check. Uh, I think that the other thing about it is it's, it's helpful to our reputation, right? This, this feels like a pretty good deal because he's saying, hey, go and look good. Like, well, heck, I can do that, right? I can go look good. That doesn't, that doesn't bother me at all. But that's not the entirety of, of what Jesus is communi- communicating through the parables. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't just say, go and do thing, good things. He says, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. The purpose of salt is to be delicious. If you are the salt of the earth, you are to taste like God. 
If you are the light of the world, you are by your character and actions to be a display consistently for who God is and what he is like. Our purpose as a community is, is to taste like God so that when people interact with us, they leave thinking, man, I actually think that that might be what God is like. So that when they see the way that we love one another and interact with one another and the way that we love and are generous towards them, they think, wow, that might actually be what the kingdom of heaven is like. That's a high bar. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt without saltiness is useless. Light that doesn't shine is ridiculous. Maybe we're a little bit more useless and ridiculous than we like to think. There is only one man who is always salty. There is only one man who shone with the light of God all the time, every single day. Jesus. Jesus is the salt of the earth. Jesus is the light of the world. No one has ever tasted like God the way that Jesus tasted like God. No one has ever shown what God is like the same way that Jesus showed us what God is like. Jesus is the true salt of the earth. Jesus is the true light of the world. And he didn't come just to taste like God and to show us what God was like, but he came to actually rescue us and bring us back into relationship with God. Not because we were salty, not because we were full of light, not because we were useful or not ridiculous. Jesus came and and loved us and gave himself for us because that's who he is. God is love and he loves with reckless abandon. You were created to be loved and doted upon. Your purpose, clear in scripture, not necessarily in this passage, is that God created you to love you and show you grace. To pour out mercy and kindness on you without measure forever and ever. So that he could show all of creation that he is a God who loves not because he has to, not because he gets something in return, because, but that's just who he is. That's who he is in his character. He is a God of love who pours himself out to people generously and graciously for forever and ever. Your purpose is to be the recipient of that grace. To enjoy the goodness of God. To, to eat, even knowing that even though you're not salty like you ought to be, even though we are not a light like we ought to be, 
to, to receive the love and grace of Jesus and be transformed by it. Here's the great, so here's what happens when, when you think of yourself more as a recipient of grace rather than somebody who, who does good for God. What, what happens is it, it begins to transform your character. That you, you, one thing you do is you think of yourself less. That you feel less entitled to things that you want or didn't get or maybe should have. There's less bitterness. Uh, you, when you experience the fullness of the love of Christ, you have more love yourself to generously give to other people. When you realize that, that everything you have was given to you, totally and completely free, and you have everything you need in Jesus, you can give much more generously of yourself to other people. And, and so what that, what that is, someone who loves generously, gives, gives of themselves fully and consistently, that's someone who mirrors the character of God. That's someone who is salty. That's someone who is full of light. And so by receiving the grace of God on a regular basis, by viewing ourselves as, uh, as recipients of his grace, we, we become useful. We, we fulfill our purpose, both of displaying the goodness of God as he showers his grace upon us, but also uh, fulfilling our purpose of showing the rest of the world what God is like. Our biggest problem is not that we aren't salty enough, we aren't full of light enough. It's that we often think that, that we are. It's so that we often think we are good enough. Our, our purpose, the, the way that we experience flourishing, uh, is, is not by, by getting it right. But the way that we experience flourishing is by glorifying God, by, by reflecting his character, but, but, but also by receiving his grace. On the, uh, on the night before he died, I'm, I'm kind of wrapping up now, if you guys want to come back up. Uh, on the night before he died, Jesus gave us a, a picture, a way to remember, to const- be constantly reminded that our, we are recipients of grace. Jesus was about to go and, and very literally give himself away to us. This is much less stressful down here without the light shining in my eyes, I got to say. Uh, <laughs> he, he was about to, to give his life away generously. And, and, and knowing that we experience him and, in relationship with God by receiving that gift of his life, he gave us a reminder. And so for, what he did was he took the bread that was sitting before them and he broke it in two. And he said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he gave it to them and they received it. Then he took the cup, the wine and the cup and he poured the wine into the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so when you come forward today to receive the, the bread and and the juice, you're, you're, it's a reminder that we have what we have not because we earned it, not because we were good enough, but because Jesus loved us enough to give himself fully. 
and the way that we receive Jesus and interact with him now, the way we fill out our purpose in this world is by coming to God with open hands and receiving what he offers. Let me pray, and then uh, you guys can come forward and take communion when you're ready. Heavenly Father, thank you that you give to us freely, that you love us, uh, not because we're useful or, or because we have it all together, but because that's who you are. Uh, I pray that uh, as we enter this time of communion with you, and that you would prepare our hearts to receive from you uh, with, with gratitude and thanksgiving and humility. I pray as, as we spend the rest of the holiday weekend that we together and and celebrating that you would remind us that all that we have is a gift. Pray that we would become the salt of the earth and the light of the world and so show everyone around us who you are. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.